Welcome to The Coat Hanger on 2SER 107.3. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast and record this show, the Gadigal of the Eora Nation, and we pay our respects to elders past and present. The Coat Hanger is a show and a podcast where we tackle women's footy with a Sydney view. I'm your host, Fiona Lamb, coming to you from Sydney's Lower North Shore, which is Camaragal land. And I'm joined by... I'm Coach Kiwi, and I'm coming to you from the Central Coast, which is Guringai land. I'm Lauren Hodson, and I'm podcasting from the Sutherland Shire, which is Darawal land. And our special guest. Oh, hi, uh, everyone. I'm Jane Ryan, and um, I'm coming from Nam, uh, which is the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people of the Kulin Nation. So uh, paying my respects to their elders. In this week's show, our Round 7 pod for AFLW Season 7, we will review Round 7, particularly the Swans and Giants matches. We want to mention two more Sydney players who have signed with VFLW clubs. Uh, but first, let's chat to our guest, President of the of the Darabin Falcons at VFLW Club. Welcome to the Goat Hanger, Jane Ryan. The reason Thanks. why I'm laughing is I had written my notes and it, what I've written, what it's corrected to is president of the Darwin Falcons. <laughs> yeah, Who knows? Well, maybe, breaking news, maybe they're branching out to Darwin. <laughs> yeah, well, we do have a sister club um, up in Castlemaine Way. So, you know, maybe Darwin's our next next, next off the rank. Tomorrow the world. <laughs> Let's start with the big meaty topics, Jane. Who do you barrack for? <laughs> and I will say too, Fee, that we are more than a VFLW. I know we're famous for our VFLW um, uh, side, but we actually have way more soccer sides these days. So it's, it's you know, we're the Women's Sports Club, Darabin's Women's Sports Club, and we have a whole heap of soccer, um, particularly a heap of juniors, um, as well as our cricket program. And, of course, we're known for our football um, prowess, successes, shall we say. So, um, yes, look, uh, I do barrack. I'm a blue bagger um, and it really suits me to say that at the moment with um, particularly uh, Dally's great goal um, just last week. I was just, you know, uh, pretty pretty impressed. And and um, Darcy is our uh, under-10s coach. So, um, you know, loving, loving watching uh, Darcy. And, and, um, and unfortunately, um, we, we did have uh, Maddie Guerin, um, you know, coming around our club and so that really bad um, injury, you know, we, we sort of reach out to her and, and um, so, yeah, lots of, lots of Blue Bagger uh, Darabin uh, connections there. Oh, and, of course, Junior, like how could I forget June? We, we, love, <laughs> we love her um, and so, yeah, sorry. I, I, I so, hang on, Junior's, uh, Junior's also known as? Uh, Day, so uh, yeah, um, Elise Day, whatever number Elise Day, can't mm-hmm. think of her number, um, off the top of my head, but so, yeah. no, that's all right. No, I just love that so her, her name's her name's Elisa Day, yeah, June. her nickname's Junior, and yeah. so you're shortening that to June, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got I've got no idea what her first name really is, it's June to me. <laughs> uh, I think she's number 46, 46, it's a big number, I remember yeah. that. Right. And they spell it June as in J-U-N-E as well. Yes. Right. right. Oh, God. Yeah. Hey, am I um, right in saying that I think Darabin has got the record for the most number of junior um, soccer teams or junior 
girls soccer teams or something there's I'm pretty sure there's a record there yeah yeah we we're definitely the biggest program in Victoria so I always say Australia um but you know it's really grown we've we've got a bit of a, a legend of soccer um Jazz Hurst who has really worked up the program from having you know one or two teams um and mainly uh older women or seniors team sorry and then really built up our junior program where we've got heap of um, you know, junior coaches, junior refs. So re- really, really super proud of our soccer side of things as well. Great. Now, uh, we were having a discussion before we started recording where you revealed, Jane, that you are, you have multiple memberships. You, you're you're uh, dividing your loyalties. Yeah, I'm, I'm a weirdo. And I have heard a few people do this where they actually buy a whole heap of members. And I, I was never, you know, I was a devout, Carlton supporter and went to a lot of games but never had a membership but as soon as the AFL women came in I had membership of four sides and I I chose very carefully and um, our over 35s have this is quite a common thing in our over 35 so I don't know how many listeners out there um, have multiple Um, it is a a strange phenomena um, but you know it just makes the W's different yeah can Jane, yeah. can I just interrupt or get you to share with the listeners? Because I know how you chose the Gold Coast Suns as one of your teams. Do you want to share how you went about choosing them? Well, um, I, I guess uh, it was definitely seeing um, uh, uh, seeing them play at Arden Street for sure. And then I didn't know any of the players, but, you know, and they've got really good membership stuff. So I love my drink bottle. Um, and... And then Perko came and played with them, so that was really good. Um, yeah, I just love them. I, I love um, uh, how they've got such a strong um, connection up to where that, you know, in the place that they are, that, that sense of place and the sense of, you know, pathways and developing pathways and picking, you know, uh, kids that come through or athletes that come through your um, place. I think that's really important. So I'm really impressed with how they do that. So really have a really good membership pack play interesting football and connect with your locals. It's it's pretty easy. It's a pretty easy combination for me. So yes, that's that's it just takes that. Come on. Seems win-win. Come on Sydney. Come on Sydney. <laughs> and so as yeah, so it's multi-state. So you said you've got you've got um Carlton, you've got Suns, you've got GWS Giants and also Collingwood. No, sorry. Yeah. Why don't you tell me? I thought you said you had <laughs> She's a Carlton fan. She can't have a Collingwood membership as well. Well, well to be honest, I did have a Collingwood uh, membership when I went to the netball. Yeah, can That's you believe what that? Right? That doesn't count. And, uh, Different sports. Yeah, it doesn't count. And, it, and I couldn't write my name on it. Um, so I had to call myself Frankie because <laughs> I couldn't come at being a Collingwood member under my own name. Can you believe that? That's all right, Jane. You're, you're a better person than me because if Carlton entered any other sport, there was no way in hell I would be signing up for their membership. So you're a much better person than me. Our resident Collingwood uh, supporter always has to, has to throw in her two cents. And, and I, do, I definitely do follow GWS. Um, Melbourne and Carlton more than anyone else because of the Darabin um, players and and probably my coaching I, I can't I can't believe that I'm saying this but I, I am following the Bombers because of Woody and I am following Port Adelaide because of Loza so yeah it's it's 
you know, it's a mixed it's, bag with me. What can I say? No, well, we are birds of a feather because we, we want the league to succeed. We so shortly so. there'll be a Tigers membership because obviously Katie Brennan is a former Darabin Falcons. <laughs> maybe. Maybe not. That's maybe stretching. I hate Richmond. Yeah, maybe I've got Lauren's uh, hatred of Richmond a bit too much as a Carlton supporter. Maybe not. Very much stretching it. Okay, well, look, speaking of, of, of Collingwood, uh, why don't we have a look at that? Uh, it was the last match of the round, wasn't it? Um, GWS was um, beaten by Collingwood. Um, now, I know that it was a bit of a, well, can we say it was a slow start? The Giants managed to keep um, Collingwood at bay uh, no, the first quarter, didn't they? I no, no, take take those words back. I would not say it was a slow start. I would say Giants came out and took it to Collingwood. They absolutely pressured them, and in those first probably eight minutes, I don't think I've seen Stacey Livingston put under so much pressure and touch the ball so many times. And and that was it. <laughs> Then it went sort of a little bit mellowish. Um, mm. But, yeah, no goal scored, but the game was interesting early on and just real lots of pressure. And it did – it took the pies quite a bit of time. I don't know if you're nervous at all, um, Loz, but it took the pies a bit of time to then get into their routine and find the space on the outside and start to play their, um, their real high-efficiency kind of game and, and make good use of the ball. Yeah, I think I agree with everything you said there, Kiwi. Not so much a slow start, but the pressure really was good from the Giants to begin with. But once Collingwood did, I guess, get those first two scores on the board, um, it was sort of hard for the Giants, I think, to, to keep that pressure up. Um, but, yeah, it was – I mean, look, for the Pies, Chloe Malloy had very good game. Um, but, you know, the, the Giants – they were unlucky with some things. Collingwood was very inaccurate kicking, uh, you know, probably kept the Giants in it a little bit early. Uh, but but like other weeks, there were, there was good plays for the Giants, but probably just not enough all over the park. Jody Hicks was, again, uh, very good from defence, but managed to sneak up um, forward and, and kick a goal herself. Of course, Elise Parker was good, Emily Pease. So sort of the usual ones were, were very good for the Giants, but they need a few more uh, teammates giving them a hand each week. Hey, you know what I noticed was at one point they um, went in and listened to Berm in his um, quarter time speech and he talked about the kind of intent that they wanted to come to the pies with was to win the contested football. It took them to the third quarter to get one contested mark. And when I looked at the game, there's a few players there that, weren't willing to put their bodies on the line. And if you want to play contested football, you've got to just pick a team that is willing to go hard at it, even if they might not be their best players. But if that's the style that you play, you've got to put the team on the field who's going to execute your plan. And it just looked to me, and I don't want to name the names, but there looked to be three or four that looked a little bit shy getting a bit of dirt on their hands today. It was... um, it, yeah, it just just didn't look like they were playing to their best or playing to his game plan. And mm. um, and the other thing was having commentators at the field for this game made a big difference that they were talking about things the camera wasn't picking up. So for the viewers at home, fantastic for the rest of us because they were talking about obviously the Giants' challenge in that if they got the ball forward, they had no forwards. 
because they'd all been sucked down the field yeah. and sucked closer to the they contest. Spoke, they spoke about that a few times, that uh, the pies were able to just set up behind the ball because the, the Giants were losing their, their forward structure. And uh, another thing that the commentators highlighted during the game was, um, and I hadn't heard this stat before, but the Giants, I think, only average 13 and a half hit outs a game, now saying up until this round. So, and, and look, if you've got a good midfield, they can rove off anyone regardless of who the hit-outs are coming from. But uh, when you're not getting a lot of contested ball and you're not winning the hit-outs, it's going to be hard to, to get the ball and score. And you're always going to be under the pump. Well, I know um, Collingwood have been really criticised for their lack of ruck stocks or challenges in their rucks with um, Al Downey. I thought she's going all right. And Sabs is Sabs is probably having her better season than she's had for a while. Um, but you know, Giants losing Morford, losing Erin um, McKinnon to Saints, that and um, Jess Allen is still on her, um, in, still on the inactive list, but away working. That's a big chunk of their tools, and um, they don't really have a lot of tool throughout the team. You know, Cora kind of plays as a tall four when she's not really tall. Tanya Hetherington is their tall defender, and they have to leave her there. Um, I think Cambridge they bought Cambridge, and she was a bit taller, but not a ruck. So in the game against the Pies, and I've seen it in other games, Brid Stack at 173 centimetres is doing some ruck work. Mm. So there's, you know, if you're using shorter players, and and I'm not against short players because Roxy Rue was only, I think, 173 herself, but she can jump about seven feet. feet. So, you know, nice. and that's seven feet off the ground, not seven feet tall, seven feet off the ground, so it makes her do those maths. And Brid Stack's just back from injury, isn't she? Um, yeah, did she have a calf injury or something? Yeah, well, I just get so nervous when when there's any mention of injury with Brid (laughs) And I I feel nervous about her jumping for the ball too. She's going to be in rucks. I'm just going to... She was giving it a good go. But what they're doing is, and especially with Elise Parker, is they're winning the clearances. So, yeah, they're not touching the hit outs because you know averaging 13 a game is pretty pretty really low mm-hmm. um but i'm pretty sure they were up about maybe plus 10 in the clearances so um so that's phenomenal work that they that their smalls are then doing around those stoppages okay uh well let's talk about the swans match then swans versus suns um we were there it's a bit hard. We'll ch- chatted to Carol Collier, friend of the pot and mother of co-captain Maddie Collier, and uh, because of that, because of that conversation, I changed my tips. And I, <laughs> as the listeners might recall, I used to tip with my heart, and I got very, very um, hardened. <laughs> Coming nearly last will do that to you. <laughs> so I started to tip with my head. Well, I changed my mind and I tip with my heart. And uh, by, by three quarters, <laughs> oh shit, what I changed my tip for. What I do that for. <laughs> At least you're a consistent performer. <laughs> That's right. Uh, well, so you mentioned Ali Morford before. She didn't have that great a game, did she? She's back in. She's back in. She's back um, in, yeah. Yeah, it's just a different way that they use their midfield, the Swans. Um, even though they go a lot up the corridor, they they 
yeah, I don't know. They're kind of a funny team where when they go on the when they go on the outside, they can burn players with their speed. You know, Alicia Newman, Brooke Lachlan, really fast players, but then they resort to going back up the corridor and they're not beating anyone. Yeah. And then and then for me, I was really disappointed by about the third quarter when they were about four goals down and they took their best midfielder and put her in the halfback line. If you want to win a game and, you know, be competitive and get some score on the board, don't protect the number of goals going in. Go forward and score some. You know, get up there and, you know, I just thought that was a bit of a waste of, of a talent. And um, I think, I'm talking about Montana Ham, I think she was still their best possession getter and I think she still only got a, maybe 16 disposals. 16 was, yeah. Yeah, 16 no, disposals. Right. So she's our highest, she's Swan's highest disposal winner and she's playing some of the game off the half back and she's still only getting mid-teens mm. they're not getting anyone up in the mid-20s and that's their biggest problem in that midfield it's just not firing they're not getting their hands on the ball enough so they're not getting it the, my other real concern is their absolute efficiency too many times and I see this probably div three level that I might coach down in Melbourne is players will get the ball and drop it straight on their boot and kick it. You don't do that at AFLW. You shouldn't be doing it at AFLW and you should be way better and making better decisions and have some better composure. But it's just like they're just panicking and they don't believe that they're good enough to play there. Yeah. Does this go back to all the media is we're a development team, we're growing, we're growing, growing. If you hear every week, that you're a development team and you're getting a little bit better and a little bit better, do you then go onto the field and start to think, well, I'm a development player. I'm not at this level. I'm not elite. Well, Kiwi, the listeners should recall how I feel about the phrase <laughs> development team because that's what was what was whispered into the brains of the Giants players in their first season. And I, I, I found that... Uh, uh, well, a lot of people say that they're still trying to recover from that. And so this, I, I I just think I just really hope that's not how how this just, is um, getting out. See, just on um Mon Ham, I think um I don't know whether you heard um uh presser um Kiwi where he actually explained what he was doing with her. Did you did you listen to that? No. So he actually did uh say that what you've said is exactly what he's doing. He's not letting her be in the centre because he's developing her and she's got a lot to learn and um, so, so they are moving her around so that she learns different positions. Thing is, and I've coached her for two years through the Vic Metro um, thing, she would be the best half forward in AFRW if she was allowed to play half forward. And I, I accept that she's a damn handy midfielder and they need to have that midfielder and they've got Priv, they've got Brooke, they've got a couple of other forwards they can use. But here is an out-and-out player who won the best and fairest for Western Jets, captained their team to a premiership. She um, won multiple awards. She's the number one draft pick for no other reason than she's the best that came out of the NAB League Put her in the best positions for her. You don't have to teach her football anymore. Mm. Put her there. She's going to grow with the rest of them. But, you know, just same with Georgia Prisparkis. You know, similar kind of player except for Mon's got way more versatility in the forward line. Don't need her in the back line. That's just my feeling. But I just think what I saw of her as a forward, incredible talent, 
but damn handy as a midfield, so you're always going to be tempted to put her in the midfielder, in the midfield. But and you know, yeah, I don't know. I think there's a few others that he really could focus puzzling. on in that Swans team. Yeah, yeah, if they're going to develop someone, don't make it, you know, one ham. Um, but I also I find it puzzling when coaches choose to play their players out of position, and I wonder what the thinking is behind that. No, I don't. When it's not translating on the board I just I wonder why they keep doing it but one of the things that really stood out to me was uh that when the ball started going forward for the swans there was no one to kick to because because the forwards had been uh, drawn back um down the field whereas when the ball went forward for the suns you could see multiple choices for for um, that player to kick to. It was so obvious, and it just showed why the results were the result was what it was. Uh, you know, it was it was, and some of that is is it fair to say that some of that is is maturity as a player and as a team to know not to get sucked down the down the field. Yeah, some of it, but some of it. I'm trying to not be mean here, but I am. No, but you, as a player, you still want to. You want to get your hands on the footy a bit too. Yeah. So you start to come in a little bit closer, a little bit closer. Um, but I don't know. Their tactics may also be for some of that forward line to come up and engage through the middle of the ground, and 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 then and then what you can do is Pagan's paddock style, kick it over the back, and you've. And you've got your species to run onto it. It's an old saying, for It's a really, really <laughs> old saying. <laughs> right. Um, where you draw. You're in Arden Street. That's <laughs> down at Street. Yeah, that's yes, it. Is. It's, it's, yeah. I feel so you, like this is like, your... like the uh, that movie, the um, the Hidden Figures, where they go, this is old maths. We need to go to old maths. Now, Kiwi's <laughs> using phrases I don't even know what that's she's true. talking about. We're, we're giving no, you an education. old <laughs> footy phrasing thing. <laughs> Right, go ahead. We, we, hang on, we actually, we did suspect um, Giants using those tactics quite a bit too, actually. was So it's kind of like if you think of a soccer back line and they push up the field to get the offside trap, right? Mm-hmm. You don't know what the offside trap is. So you just, push your backs, push yeah, up the just field. Just keep talking, Kiwi. So you, kick, <laughs> so you kick the ball over the back and you sprint onto it. Yeah, run into space. And if it works, it can work quite well. But if you can't execute it, the other teams there, their backs have held their position. They're going to kick it back over your heads and and you're out of whack. The one thing, when the Swans did have a target up forward, it looked good. Beck Privatelli came out on a couple of leads. She took a couple yeah. of marks. But, kicked, I mean, kicked you a couple of goals. Lungs. They just don't do it enough. Did she have, I think she had something like four marks and four shots at goal in one quarter. Just that only two went in. Um, yeah. But then one of her shots, it was quite a bit out, and I even said to I think I said to you at the time, Fee, this is going to really stretch her leg here. I don't know that she has the distance. Put a tool in the goal square. And you look up the field and yeah. you go, hmm, they have no tools in the goal square. So just those kind of understanding your teammates as well and knowing, right, if the ball falls short, what are we going to do? Or do we stand back and just watch? And that's kind of like what they're doing. They're just standing back going, oh, yeah, she's having a shot at goal. We'll just see, oh, oh bugger, yeah. we should have been there. Just little things like that is just – and those kind of footy smarts, you, you get that playing your local club footy. 
Like you, you come to yeah. this level already with that stuff. Um, look, we, 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 we weren't happy with obviously swans, but let's celebrate some of the sons. Um, you know, Charlie Browbottom, she's, she came to this game averaging 27 disposals a game for the last four matches and swans slowed her down. She only got 22. A lot of pressure on there. Uh, Alison Drenner, I thought she was pretty, pretty, pretty awesome as well. Um, but, you know, I think they just, you know, stayed in the game. Suns just stayed in and there was pressure around. Um, but Hannah took a couple of really good grabs and, um, you know, I think they just tore away and tore away and tore away. And um, no credit to the Suns because they're, I think, now just clinging on to the top eight. Which um, yep. I don't think they've been that high yet in, no. their, in their young life. So um, they had a good first time. season, and then then things changed a bit. But well, that's when Jane got on the your membership. Sons. So yeah. That, well, see, it all actually comes back to Jane Ryan, which is why we have her on the show tonight because we're getting ready for Pride Round. Um, Jane Ryan, president of the Darabin Falcons, the FLW, etc. Club. <laughs> No, it's yeah. Darabin Falcons Women's Sports Clubs. Women's Sports Club. Yeah. Jane, you have rewritten your policy um, for membership, your membership policy, yeah? So um, it's uh, it's not just about um, having a trans policy. It's a broader policy. And uh, why don't I just open to you and let you explain <laughs> Yeah, thanks, Fee. And it's a it, we've we've ended up calling it a gender inclusion um, policy. Um, and really, um, pride, just to start with, pride pride round and and um, pride um, in our club is a really important thing, and it's a really important theme. And and uh, you know we're pretty think that uh, that West Coast uh, coaches' uh, comments were really out of out of whack with um with our approach and and it really is about um bringing you know the best self to your club and feeling so comfortable and um i guess where our gender inclusion um policy came from why why even have one why do you need one um is really about um us advocating for our players and so we have um famously had a uh trans athlete play for us um, in terms of VFLW um, and um, Hannah, you know, was a really important part of our um, so club. I'll just and, jump in and say that was Hannah Mouncy in case people didn't know yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I've had um, during one of our sessions, because we had a lot of info sessions about, um, you know, what, what do we need to do? What sort of policy should we have? And one of our um, really important people in our club, our um our head coach at the moment, VFLW head coach, actually said uh, to the group that um, while she's proud of um, the success that we've had and we've been a super successful club and, and um, you know, that's that's important to a certain point, but but um, what she was most proud about our club was the involvement and the, the ease of involvement and the welcome that um, Hannah had um, as a trans athlete. And, I guess um, where when we were trying to advocate for um, whether it's our trans athletes or non-binary or um, athletes or um, and even even people who you know just we're on a journey of you know self exploration and and working out you know where on the the spectrum they were um, 
and and should be able to play with you know mostly we play community sports so um, everyone should be able to play and get the benefits from that we didn't actually have an explicit um, you know statement about it so um, we actually had through our, the other thing that we had through our info, info sessions was a non-binary player um, who came to us um, they, they played um, soccer they were from New South Wales actually I think they were from Newcastle and they said to us that um, they were looking for a club in in Melbourne they moved to Melbourne and they looked for um, I think they I think they said we I looked for the lesbian club and I think that you know that cracked me up um, and it really that that means that I'll be with my peeps you know I'll be with people who kind of get where I'm at and where you know, and, and we'll take and we'll be respecting where I'm at and, you know, call me my, my, by my proper pronouns and not be, you know, stupid about it um, and, you know, just be super respectful. And basically they said, yeah, so you are known as that, so that's good, but um, the problem is that you're not explicit and so you could be more welcoming to, you know, more um, obviously welcoming to players gender diverse players you know because we 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 want to be a safe space for everyone to to you know have their chance so that's really how we um why we um decided to do that um fan we we looked around um at a couple of models and so um we've got the the women's circus in um melbourne is a really famous um you know feminist uh uh circus <laughs> so for for um uh, athletes, I guess, to, to learn circus skills. Um, and also the Flying Bats in Sydney were definitely a crew that we, you know, we looked at. They're very famous for, you know, just really getting that stuff right. Like, you know, where do we want to be on that stuff? Are we, you know, are we saying that um, non-binary is a problem for us or are we saying that, you know, uh, trans men are, are a problem for us? And, and really where we came to was saying, no, we can be women and girls. We can be women and girls, but we can also have uh, male assigned um, at birth players. Um, and we can, you know, um, because they're going to have barriers um, involved in them playing. And we, and we, you know, sort of explored that. And also um, we're really looking at trans men because of, again, the, the barriers that the patriarchy puts up, Fee. It, it's, it's uh, you know, it's non-discriminatory really, but... We really wanted to be a place where, you know, um, those discriminated against by the patriarchy, um, but also recognising that we're a women and girls-centred space. So we do have that at our core. And if you're comfortable with that, we would like you to play with us. Sounds great. Um, yeah, f- that phrase, foot soldiers for the patriarchy, was playing in my head. <laughs> Not right. welcome at Darabin. <laughs> don't want ya don't want ya um I recall now that when um I was interviewing Hannah um some years back for the coat hanger um she made the point really well that sport is such um such a such a door for um the health and well-being and for people who are going through um, whether they're going through transitioning, have, have transitioned, whatever, it is so vital. It is so vital for the health and well-being of, of anyone, but particularly our vulnerable. It's so important that we do find um, 
the right way to to create inclusive um, and welcoming spaces. So I'm really excited to hear that Darabin is um, is so far down the track, and that that now you're some you're a club that other clubs can look to. Um, I also feel a little bit chuffed that you that you um, called on a Sydney club to uh, to direct some of your policy making because what would this show be if we didn't maintain the um, Sydney Melbourne rivalry at some point? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, a, a lot of times, also we talk about football clubs as being an extension of family. Or um, you know, if we're in a, in a if we're in a women's team, we might call it the sisterhood. I'm guessing the men call it the brohood or whatever they need to call it, the brotherhood. Um, but you do like it, it becomes an extension of your family, and they are your connections. And for a lot of people who are coming to terms with who they are, or you know, if they're if they're finding out that they may now be lesbian or um, non-binary or something, their actual birth families turn against some of those. Um, young people and so if you can come to a sporting club like a football club like a Darabin Falcons there's your next level of network and support structures around that become family and as everyone knows you go there they, they wish you birthdays you know you have parties you know you have a celebrations and and you grow together and I think this is one of the things about pride round coming up it's about that inclusion and the connections that people have and it's more than just wearing a few extra colors on your Guernsey um, this weekend because I know there may be a couple of people who, who might be against wearing certain colours on their Guernsey. It's more than that. It's actually accepting people for who they are and how they are born. It's it's not a choice to be this way. And I think that's the big message that we've still got to get out to the people is, is you can choose a religion, but you don't choose to be gay. You don't choose to be non-binary. You don't choose to have to um, transition to the opposite gender from what you're, you know, assigned at birth. It's, you know, these are absolutely massive moments in people's lives that they have to firstly come to terms with themselves, but then, you know, find that acceptance and then share it with their people closest to them and then the next level out and about, you know, to get to the public space. So so that's what I think Pride Round is around. It's, it's you know, that whole big extinction and, and you know, accepting people. So yeah. much more than a jumper. Yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. And colours, rainbow colours. And I think, um, you know, having the um, inclusion of um, the trans flags and um, also the um, intersectionality of, um, you know, uh, making sure people of colour, you know, feel very included in that as well. Um, and, and the other thing I was going to say too, Fee, is we, we do all have examples um, in our teams of, of um, you know, people that, that uh, we're loving having, you know, being bringing back to sport, really. You know, we've got um, somebody who used to play with the Falks back in the day and he now, he's transitioned and, and it's just wonderful to have him around the club and we're hoping that we can um, play with him um, in, in, our, in our team at, uh, over 35s. But the, the other aspect is just the young kids now. Um, so they're, they're really, um, even if their families aren't, you know, aren't really supportive, Sport can be something that they can get real confidence um, in their leadership and in their, um, you know, that they're on the right track for themselves. Um, so I think, um, you know, that's the other aspect of we're, as we've gone through our policy um, development process, we've actually identified uh, a lot of the, you know, whether it's under 10s, under 12s, 
you know, that, that are starting to, you know, um, really be clear about themselves. And so um, to have a, a sporting club be able to help that um, journey is, is really important too. Hey, um, maybe while you're here also, one of your sister clubs, do you call it a sister club? Um, talk about the film that they're making. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think they're called, I keep um, making, um, um, mucking it up because I call it Mount, Mount Macedon, but it's not Mount Macedon. It's Mount Alexander Phelps and they're around Castlemaine. So, um, you know, they're, they're, you know, fantastic group of people who, who really identified that, um, regional Victoria can be a really tricky place uh, as an LGBTQI plus um, member, and um, so you 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 know they can be really dangerous places. Football netball clubs, in in having grown up in um, Shepparton, um, I, I really recognise that, and and certainly got lots and lots of examples of you know just how dangerous it can be to to play there. So um, to have a club that you know is really welcoming um and you know um just just um you know really putting their head up above the parapet in in regional victoria is really exciting so um yeah just they're they're writing a, a film about their struggles um so they weren't accepted initially um to play in the comp they um were asked to uh um, combine with a football netball club um and that's despite sort of you know really get, trying to get across trying to articulate that actually you'd have people here that would wouldn't play um, if they had to play for a football netball club so um yeah just um i think it's going to be a terrific um film so I'll, I'll probably um send you the the link to um i think it's on their website fee so and certainly um, make sure your listeners see it but it's an awesome little um treat and what's it called Oh, I can't remember what the film's called, but it's that's right. We'll, um, yeah, we'll, we'll keep people waiting. We'll, yeah, is it taking taking a taking a mark, or it's it's a footy term. Yeah, um, but but it's basically about the struggle that they've had to, um, you know, establish themselves and be um, understood. How you know their point of difference, I guess, and and how they're really important to to um, get a, a license in the in the league that they're in. Sounds great. And I know that um, way back, was it four or five years ago now, when um, when the teams in, in Victoria Equal were... the contest. Sorry. It's called Equal the Equal contest. Equal the contest. Yeah, I knew right. it was a football term. Sorry. I, I just remember that getting a licence was a big issue for the Jarabin, um, uh Sports Club and in fact, the uh, that was when the teams were all um, dissolving at that VFLW level, and so it was prohibitive the expense to to get the license. But Darabin managed to do it and continue um, as they have done. But speaking of VFLW, um, we have heard on the grapevine, not the grapevine, um, Kiwi told me. That there are two more Sydney players who've signed with the have they signed with VFLW clubs or they're going down to um, yeah yeah trial? no it's um you know when people say we don't have talent in Sydney this is the point we're making that there this is talent is the talent and yes it's going so um so players are going down and they're trialing at the VFLW trials are on currently and most clubs are doing their trials at the moment and um and Melbourne Demons have announced this week of 
two more from New South Wales ACT that have signed on for Casey Demons for next season. So there's another two taken from, you know, our academies. Um, I can tell you who they are. Ella, Ella Morris, who is come out of um, Pennant Hills. Um, they play in the Premier competition. And India Lehman is the other one who um, was a Murray Bush Ranger player in the NAB League. So um, that's, you know, two, two more of our young talent going into the VFLW so that um, they get that exposure and chance to draft. Well, I mentioned earlier that my tips have gone to hell. So why don't we actually just go and have a look at those, shall we? Oh, my goodness. Um, I don't know if you felt like there were upsets in the weekend or if it was so predictable, but four people tipped nine out of nine. So we've got Dero Rita A, another Masters player in Melbourne um, oh, when Rita. Jane was talking yeah, about. Um, uh, she's not a Darabin Falcon. I, I'm sure she wishes she was. She's from um, way up Blackburn <laughs> Way. Um Maddie H, she's a she's one of my Fitzroy girls from Bendigo, whose partner um, a few weeks ago was the only one that got nine out of nine. So there you go. In their household, it's Maddie's week to um, brag. A Darabin Falcons master, clear who we actually nicknamed Pants. As you know, in football teams, you end up with a nickname. She is belovedly known as Pants, just uh, mostly for often for getting her training shorts and training in her work pants. <laughs> Um, she got nine and old show faithful who came on as a guest and stuck around for years like a bad smell that other Collingwood supporter Natty P Morgan she got nine <laughs> out of nine well done Nat so, um, so well done to you girls um, surprisingly I got eight out of nine damn which one did I get wrong um, Troy Thompson Crash Thompson he got eight Rach got eight um Keely, who's actually Rita's teammate down in um, Blackburn side of town, she got eight. Tiffany from Newtown Breakaway, she got eight. Uh, Linda O, Kylie O, John N, Tracy Kick, our old mate Kicker, she got eight. There's a guy named Aaron whose uh, profile is Chloe Malloy. He, I don't know, he's a Magpie supporter. Eight. Andy, very well known Collingwood supporter, goes along to most of the games down there. Good on you, Andy. He got eight. And um, and Elvis. Elvis got eight. So we got a bunch of people. Oh, actually, Emma. Emma Emma Phillips, another former host. Um, she got eight as well. So oh, wow. a lot of people banged in the eight. Um, and our, our, our ranking, had, well, I think Jess was top of the ranking last week. Jess Rook, I think is her name. Rookie is her nickname. And Crash Thompson coming second. Tim M, I think he was second last week. He's dropped down to third. And Pants, she's jumped all the way up to fourth spot now. And Kicker, Tracy Kick is sitting at fifth spot on our ladder. And that's the roundup of tips this week. And I got five. <laughs> Where are you guys? How far down do I have to scroll to find? Um... Yeah, oh, give that wheel a good... <laughs> Whack. Okay, one second. I'm only you might be scrolling, keep scrolling, page down. <laughs> I'm only up to the forties. Wait. Um oh your your mark where oh your mum's dropped down to forty two. Well look, yeah. I might be better at analysing games afterwards <laughs> rather than be predicting results. You know, we've all got our our strengths and weaknesses. I'm still yeah, scrolling. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
Oh dear, Laws, you're at sixty-eight. How many are in the competition? Sixty-nine. Because <laughs> seventy doesn't count. Because that's our our email one that none of us do the tipping for. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got five from the weekend. I'll give you that. It's better um, than half. <laughs> Where? Oh, fee. There you go. You're sitting at forty-seven. You only got five from the weekend. Should not mm. have changed your tip. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, you guys will catch up shortly. That's right. You stick to analysing. It's that's fine. <laughs> Can't have it all. That's right. <laughs> okay. Uh, what do you reckon is going to happen next week, Pete? Can Can I just say a little mm. bit of something I heard in the commentary in the weekend was a commentator said that the player overpossessed the bull. Are we a little bit early for Halloween? <laughs> overpossessed. I Did think she mean meant that? they overused the bull. <laughs> Which is what we commonly, and that's actually what happened. They just did a few too many handballs and it forced a turnover. Yeah. But she, but that was what she said was, oh, they've overpossessed this. And I thought, am I watching a, am I watching a horror? <laughs> just, I don't know. We're, I don't know. that The dispossessed, that word dispossessed always uh, sounds strange um, to that, me. But. I think that that should um, uh, be disallowed in, in commentary because dispossessed is a, is a, very serious term for um people who are dispossessed of their lands yeah and um um so refugees are dispossessed people when you lose displaced are they not displaced oh have i got that wrong (laughs) i think i think so i just thought you're talking about i don't know i just think of beetlejuice and all the zombies that came out that dispossessed that's what i think of maybe i'm wrong i don't know squirt's the other one that just Squirt, I don't know. <laughs> Who squirts a ball? They squirt it oh, out of the contest. Oh, Kelly. Kelly's got to stop saying that. It's well, <laughs> She's not the Kelly, only one. I've heard someone no, else. But speaking of Kelly, the uh, Collingwood Cheer Squad on their banner uh, gave <laughs> Kelly Underwood a reminder of her, the orange team comment. And uh, I'll tell you what, I can't remember the rest of the words that were on the banner. But they uh, called it out and then her fellow commentators pointed it out for her just in case she missed it. I don't understand what, what's the deal so, with the um, orange team. You know, I know who the orange team is. So commentating a men's game maybe two months ago, she had a, I'm assuming it was a mind blank and couldn't remember what the Giants were called and called them the orange team. <laughs> so Collingwood Banner referred to the orange team and, uh, yeah, her, her fellow commentators may have pointed it out a few times during the broadcast. Right. I, yes. I like it. I like it when the um, banner makers have a bit of um, – a little bit of spunk about their their banners. I think I think the Collingwood team do it well. Um, is it Bulldogs? Bulldogs often have a cheeky one. Yeah, and the Bulldogs had a comedian write them for a while, I think. Oh, really? So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cheating, but good on them. It is cheating. Well, look – yeah, and look – Saying again, Sydney Swans, we're waiting, waiting, waiting. First happens very first once. Banner. Maybe that's why they're waiting. It's only going to happen <laughs> once. Well, they've had they've had four home games at four different fields. So the yeah. next home game is going to be at a field they've already been at. So instead of it being first happens once at home game at this field, it's going to be the second home game. So first happens once with the banner. I don't know, just an idea. 
Yeah, I don't know. Who do um, they play next week? The, uh, but the other thing to just mention about commentary is um, if you're a commentator and you come on to commentate in the seventh season of, of AFLW and you haven't seen Aaron Phillips play, maybe keep it to yourself. <laughs> maybe say, sorry, I don't watch that league and give the job to someone who does. Maybe, yes. in <laughs> fact, say, look, I actually don't think I'm qualified to uh, commentate i'm actually not good enough at my job why don't you say that blokes will <laughs> never say that at a football anything <laughs> that's right never not impressed not impressed go away and think about what you've well, done same with last week they didn't know who Moore was exactly oh my goodness yeah yeah it is, it is a bit sad yeah. and you okay. know understandable if it was somebody on debut but no speaking but no. of um games Mm. There's been a lot of players hit 50 games, right? Steph But yeah, whole heap. Just so people understand, this has taken seven seasons for these players to hit 50 games. So yep. calculate that, that over seven, well, six years, over six years. How that's for most of them, they're not playing other games outside of this AFLW. Mm. Mm. So, when we talk about growth and development and getting better at the game, that's how slow our growth should be, which has been a whole lot faster. But it's just, you know, when, when they go, oh, the score's not big enough, or the players are still missing goals, set shots, or whatever, it's, you know, if players are only playing eight games a season. How much do you, how much better do you think they're going to get year on year on year? Yeah. So it just comes back to give them a full damn season. Give them a full damn season. Give them a, a well, the pay is getting better, isn't it? But just give them a bit more respect, a bit more respect. And if you don't know who they are, go away and think about what you've done. <laughs> Especially if someone's no. won the best and fairest medal. Twice, twice. That's a bit embarrassing. And best on ground in a grand final. It's a change. I know a few weeks ago we were saying we don't need to hear about her all the time, but I agree, B. If you don't know who she is, maybe the broadcaster shouldn't have put you on the call for that game or any AFLW games for that matter. (laughs) I think I'm going to go with any AFLW games. It's kind of away. It's it's like it's a little bit like due diligence and Swans do it when at the beginning of every Swans game is they go through the rules. (laughs) We'll give you our normal Swans members due diligence and tell you what the different rules are for AFLW. Yeah, so they don't have men's men's fans (laughs) yelling at the umpires. It's a good idea. Um, we, we, we're going to, um, we're happy to help with all kinds of tips to help people enjoy this game. Uh, this league, starting with maybe having appropriate commentary. Now, next, next round, uh, the Swans play Essendon at Princess Park. That'll be interesting. Um, come on, Swans, give it a good crack. And, uh, the Giants play the Hawks at Henson Park. Giants, you better bloody win. Just saying. Well, yes. Yeah, well, at least the Giants, you know, we're going to have a bit of a different lineup, obviously, because um, some people can't wear a little That's bit of right. orange right. or oh, yes. yellow. They'll have at least one change, won't they? At least yeah. one change. Um, mm. And and then, you know, I heard someone say, well, she'll be back for rounds nine and ten. It's like, well, no. What if whoever comes in, 
plays their guts plays out yeah. and they deserve that spot. They shouldn't just be dropped for the yeah. other person to come back in. Um, but, yeah, look, Giants against Hawks. Let's um, – I can't wait to see what the rainbow looks like on, on the poo and wee jumper. But um, <laughs> anyways, I'm looking forward to a colourful match and come on, Giants. Do do what the Swans couldn't do over Hawthorne. Um, mm. And, yeah, Swans against, um, as Jane said, Nat, Nat Wood's team, former Darabin Falcon there. Mm. But Essendon are going pretty solid. They, uh, you know, they're, uh, they're going to be tough. They're going to be really hard to try and beat them. They, yeah. um, I thought they put on, early in the game, I thought on they, they put on a really good show against Geelong. And they just sort of tapered off the second half. So I reckon, you know, they'll look to maintain some of that pressure next week against the Swans. So um, the you know, Swans are going to have a tough go. They're going to really step up and adjust some things, not not go in there and just try to win tackle count or win hitouts. Or they just, they've got to actually win, get their hands on the football and hold it for longer, be possessed for longer. <laughs> Bring your Halloween. Bring, Bring your Halloween, Halloween to Pride Halloween. Round. That's it. That's right. Uh, okay. So are there any other matches you wanted to mention next week? Um, well, yeah, Carlton meet Richmond. Brisbane. That'll be a good game. Oh, Brisbane versus Adelaide Crows would be interesting. Yeah, that'll be, a, that'll be a cracking match. And that's up in Brisbane too. So, um, yeah, Metricon. Yeah, I, yeah. Coast, yeah. Well, that'll certainly probably help. I mean, we've got three rounds left. That game will help shape the top four, if not the top two. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And Frio are starting to come into a bit of form and they take on um, your mob, Loz. So, yeah. Um, which I think I the think pies are be... flying over there, aren't they? Yeah. Yes. They yep. fly um, once every 10 years, is it? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That, was, uh, that must have been a deal Eddie negotiated, I think, you know. <laughs> Way back, but I think it'll be a, a good game because they said the Dockers had have had a terrible start, but uh, you know they're they're certainly playing a lot better now and and at home. So um, I think it'll be a really really close game. Yeah, should, that should be a cracking cracking match. Um, yeah. And Dockers seem to, apart from they don't have the um, Antonio girls back yet. But they've got Roxy Rue back. I think Hayley Miller's playing a form. So they, they've got some key players oh, yeah. back and on at, that note, at Dockers just, now. Just for our beginner AFLW commentators, they're not sisters. <laughs> okay. They're not. They're, they're, not, they're not, not even twins. No. <laughs> hey, um, just on a serious note, this is a bit of a special week and we've talked about obviously the players' wages um, and we're going to play – um, on on Wednesday this week, we will play a song that Fee recorded um, not quite two years ago. We recorded it um, a little over 18 months ago about a dear friend of ours that we um, who passed away two years this Wednesday, um, Cinder Barclay, who was a player at GWS and um, is missed, still missed completely all around the place. And I think if you talk to any of the Giants players um, who played alongside her, they'll still tell you the huge hole that she has left. Um, but she was an advocate for, you know, asking for money and asking to um, be paid their worth. And one of her conversations with Alan was 
um, what's wrong with 200,000 is is what she was sort of saying at the time as as a ballpark kind of figure and this is this is this is a female athlete who I think is in female athletic terms far greater than Sonny Bill Williams who's often um, they were she was compared to him because he excelled at three different codes two of those were being rugby the other one boxing she excelled at three completely different codes mm. so you know which would then mean had she been a male way more value um in the bank um but being a female you know she just said what's what's wrong with two hundred thousand? um and you know it's it's a question that we still ask is why are the players not being paid um you know a living wage because, you know, when you consider what they put in each week is probably over 30 hours of work and maybe 40 hours of work to um, to work with their recovery, their training in the gym, their video reviews, their meetings with their line coaches, their head coaches, and then obviously their team trainings, then their travel um, interstate or home, the games, everything. So players are worth it. It was a simple question Cinder asked. We miss her. We love her. Um, big hugs to you, Deb, over in WA. Yeah, that's uh, that's Cinder's mum. And anyone who caught uh, my interview with Maddie Collier on last week's pod, uh, you would have heard the story that Maddie told uh, actually from her sister who bumped into Cinder at at a nail salon. I'll uh, let you listen to it rather than telling the whole story again today. But I did get a bit um, emotional just listening to to that story, which I'd heard before, but they're lovely stories and they just show that um, Cinder was one of a kind. And the thing that really gets my goat is that here is an elite athlete who had to work on an oil rig to be able to pay her um, bills because... um, and in fact, she took time off from sport to to work because sport wasn't paying the bills, and she, and she yeah she needed to do that. It's just so wrong that uh, the the current environment, um, current playing field, if you will, creates a situation where that is the case. Um, yeah, we miss it terribly. This is Maddie Collier, and you're listening to the Coat Hanger. All right, this week, as we've mentioned, is Pride Round, a very special round for many fans of the game and players. Today, we welcome to our show two very special players, part of a small and unique collective in the AFLW, two players in a relationship and on opposing teams. Yes, you heard that right. And yes, you will not hear that any part of that sentence when they talk about men's football. Women's sport is something else. Hello to Catherine Smith, inaugural draftee for Melbourne Demons and now in her third season with GWS Giants. And Lisa Steen, former Black Diamond League player, drafted to GWS Giants in 2019 and now part of the inaugural Sydney Swans. Welcome, both of you, to the Coat Hanger. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) We must start by getting you both to tell us how you first got into footy and your journey to AFLW. Um, yeah, I was pretty blessed that from a very young age, growing up in Victoria, that AFL was just always a thing. Um, so my brother started Oz Kick when he was in prep and I just followed him around and um, idolised my brother if anything he did. So he played footy, I played footy. Um, so I did Oz Kick, moved into boys footy and my parents were always really supportive. Um, so dad even became president of the club. So um, he started a women's program there. So played the boys up until I was 12, moved into some state stuff, so under 16 state. Um, then the NAB League 
um, started to form and um, was lucky enough to be part of the Sandringham Dragons for a few years. And then, um, yeah, under 18 state stuff, so big Metro for four years and that led into the inaugural draft year. Um, so, yeah, super blessed that I had um, a, quite a form pathway when I was growing up, um, leading to my draft year, um, drafted, yeah, when I was 18 to the D, so that was pretty awesome. And then, yeah, um, moved up to the Giants three years ago. And kudos to your dad. You said he, he ran a women's football program? Yeah, so he started the um, women's football program at Blackburn Football Club. So Fantastic. No, no girls program there. And then I wanted to be able to play back at Blackburn Football Club. Um, so he started the 12 team and then by the time I was 18 there was a youth girl so I could kind of finish off my last youth girls at the club that I started at which was really awesome and now it's a powerhouse club so yeah dad's done a great job there well thanks Smitty's dad mine's a, a little bit different I guess um coming from Nelson Bay down in the what's now known as the Black Diamond League um I played in the first season of that so there wasn't really much football. I played, I think, one or two games at school in high school growing up. But other than that, I did netball, Oztag, touch football, gymnastics, like any other sport that I could possibly have done. Dancing, I did. Um, I really wanted to play football after I tried it at school, but there was just no opportunity to do that. And then um, I was playing rep netball and there's a AFL men's club, the Marlins, that's kind of affiliated with the netball club. And they started putting out the word that they might have a women's team. So I was really, really keen to get down and give it a go. And I kind of pulled our whole rep netball team over with us. So we played netball and then ran over to the field and played AFL um, for the first few seasons. And then after the second season, I was like, I, I really love this. I'm not going to play netball anymore. I'm really going to give it a go. And then um, they started, I guess, developing even more and they had a bit of like a representative pathway starting to happen. So we had like a Black Diamond rep team that went to Canberra and played there. And then from that, I got invited to come to the GWS Giants, like um, inaugural draft. And I went to that. I didn't get selected, um, but I became a train on. Um, so from there, they pretty much said like, Tim Smith was the coach at the time. He said, if you want to actually play AFLW, you need to move to Sydney and play in Sydney because the level at Black Diamond is just not good enough. You're not going to develop there. So I just pretty much packed up, finished uni and moved to Sydney, moved without a job, anything. And yeah, just started playing at Macquarie Football, um, Mac Uni Football Club, played there for a couple of years, was still a train on for a few years after that. And then finally got listed, like you said, in 2019. Great. And thanks for moving down from Paradise, Nelson Bay. Uh, I, I know. I do <laughs> On behalf of the co hanger and all of AFLW, we know what you've done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how was it being teammates at the Giants to now being on opposing sides and crosstown rivals nonetheless? Um, I guess it was pretty lucky in my first year. Um, we developed like a really good friendship before obviously um, we became partners. So I think like our friendship prior to um, being together was re really helped that. And we were really good friends and we kind of understood each other's and our backgrounds as mentioned is just so different and vast, but we kind of knew that about each other and very different players. So <laughs> she's fast. I'm not so fast. Um, so <laughs> we kind of knew each other's strengths and um, weaknesses when we were teammates. And that, I guess, like helped us be able to like support each other through, um, playing together um, and that's something that I'm yeah really I hold really special that we actually got an opportunity to play together um, but then playing a part I guess like now I can fully support Lisa's just her partner rather than being 
her teammate and a partner. So it's like, no matter what, I'm just supporting her as a partner rather than having that kind of like two hats. Yeah. 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 I, I agree. I think um, playing together was awesome. Like a lot of people think that playing together would be harder than playing against each other, but I really enjoyed being on the same team because Smith's such a good teammate to have, like probably the best teammate you could possibly have, just super supportive and um, yeah, always helped me with my development because she's played football a lot longer than I have and her skills are a lot, have a lot more finesse than mine do. So she's really, before we were together, we used to do a Smitty skill session and it was a couple of girls, like the newer draftees. It was me, Tay Davies, M Goodsir. Um, Smith used to run skills for us, like, and just help us develop our game. So I, yeah, I was very, very thankful and I don't think I'd be, um, I guess, at the level that I am now if it wasn't for her support when we were teammates, which is awesome. And then I think having our own independent teams is really good as well because we can come back and talk and a little bit, like we talk a little bit about footy, but not everything is football because we're both not engulfed in the same team with the same highs and lows and all of that. So it's, it's having that separation, I think, has been really nice. Yeah, great. So time away from football is really important too. Yeah. So on that note, what do you do in between AFLW seasons? Um, well, I guess last in between, which was a very a small break. Um, yeah. We actually went trained. <laughs> uh, we went overseas for three weeks. So we went to the States, did a road trip in Utah and ended up in Coachella, which was an incredible experience. And with nice. um, of Lisa's friends. Um, and then we just love, like, we've got two puppies now. We've got Ziggy, who's two and a half, and Hallie's, who's 16. 15 weeks. Yeah. Still a baby. So um, that's a new addition to our little family. Um, but, yeah, we just love spending time with them and going to the beach and camping, like anything we can do. I mean, there's talks of us hopefully, hopefully trying to get away to Bali or the Philippines or somewhere in the off-season. But it's just so hard to plan when everything with AFLW is so sporadic and unplanned and we still don't have, you know, start dates or any of that stuff. And we're both super committed and super competitive. So the off-season, a lot of the time is spent trying to improve yourself for the pre-season. Right. Um, so a lot of our time is still footy. And both still working too. So yeah, we were. We forget about that. But we have to do that side of things too. So I think got to keep those bills paid. <laughs> because at the moment, footy isn't going to do that for you. <laughs> No, it'd be certainly nice if it was. Uh, it's going to be a big day on Sunday. Home game at Henson against the Hawks and playing in the, the Giants' new pride jumper. Um, well, yeah, for so one of you. For, yeah, for me. <laughs> it's actually pretty awesome because this is the only game that Lisa can come watch other than the Swans-Giants game. So um, the fixture isn't on our favour being able to support each other. So I'm really really um, excited that Lee's can actually come to this game obviously a bit more meeting with the pride behind it um as well um yeah uh, our pride jersey is really awesome and I'm super honored that we get to wear that I think it's just a really good celebration um of our community and um how accepting the AFLW world and inclusive the inclusivity as always have, has been like before AFLW BFLW it's just been always um a world that kind of just embodies inclusivity so now we get to celebrate it um in a round so that's really special and home game um so hopefully we can get all of Sydney down to Henson Park um and Henson always has a really good vibe with kids and stuff being able to run the hill and just a really good kind of like community feel yeah, in local, terms of, footy yeah local footy feel mm -hmm. um so yeah and against the Hawks hopefully we can get a win um so that would be nice yeah yeah come on beat them win. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> exactly you've got yeah. a bloody win <laughs> let's let's certainly uh certainly hope so and and obviously the the Swans not to uh neglect them but the Swans are playing uh in their pride jumper as well yeah yeah so it's I think 
number one, it's really special to be able to run out in a pride jumper full stop. Like what the round embodies is just so important and just, yeah, about equality, inclusiveness, um, everyone being able to be their self and being confident in being their selves. But then I guess as well, there's the second part to it, which is that it's the inaugural pride jumper. Um, and it's the first time that we get to run out as a team together. And we'll only do that as this team once because every year the team's going to change. So there's a lot of girls that are super, super passionate about this round. Um, I'm super passionate about it. And I just think it's going to be a really, really awesome opportunity to celebrate everybody's differences. And I'm excited. We've been having a little bit of fun on the um, show about that phrase, first happened once. Um, but but that, that's <laughs> really absolutely, that absolutely embodies um, that phrase, doesn't it? That's really <laughs> great. Yeah. Um, we'll certainly be watching. And uh, Kiwi and I will be down at Henson on um, uh, to to watch uh, giant smash hawks as well. Just yeah, uh, see. <laughs> we'll see, see you both right there. <laughs> Come on. Uh, so the competition's first pride round in 2018 was between Carlton and Bulldogs. What are your recollections of that? Were you there or were you watching from afar? Um, yeah, so I was at the D's at the time. I kind of remember it quite significantly because I was jealous. I remember yeah. being like, yeah, I was like, um, really cool that those two clubs got that opportunity. I thought it was a really good first step, but I was like, well, I think we wore pride socks, which was the smallest little thing that you could see on the top of the socks. So, um, yeah, I just remember actually being jealous. Yeah, being jealous of that um, opportunity that they got. Um, and I think a lot of people felt that way, and that's why I guess each per, each club now has a pride jersey because we all want to be a part of it. So I think. Carlton and Doggies having that initial step and the initial initiative to do it um, really kind of paved the way for all of us to go to the clubs and be like, no, nah, this is something that we all want to invest in and make sure it's um, something special for the whole entire league. Lisa, do you remember that um, that first game, that first Pride match? I do remember it. I think maybe I was a little bit more ignorant to how important it was for the AFLW at that time. Um, I remember looking at it and thinking, why only two teams? Like, that was my first thought is like, what, like, why? Why would two teams do it, not the rest of the teams? Um, like, when we talk about what the round means and inclusiveness in itself, like, shouldn't everybody just be doing that? Like, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm really lucky that when I came in, we, we did it straight away. So I got, I, and it was super, super special from the beginning for me. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, great. I, I guess there's nothing like FOMO to get a movement going. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing, an image that really sticks with me and makes me feel quite emotional is uh, um, uh, the image of the two teams walking through the banner together. And some gestures, uh, I think, can't be understated. Um, is that, is that how to phrase it? it you can't overstate the uh, the importance of, of gestures and sometimes something as simple as having two teams walking through um, a banner together saying we're in this together and this means something really important to us uh, is really valuable really powerful yeah I agree I think that unity for a common cause and them just standing up for what they believe in and doing it together they pave the way for the rest of the competition so um, I guess on the, the back of that, um, how would you say Pride Round has evolved from initially being one match and, and you know, a few years later there's, there's now a round and all clubs have jumpers, but I believe there's also an increased effort, uh, particularly this year or this season, I should say, to recognise allies. Yeah, um, I think allies are super important in our um, 
our community. Um, personally, like at the Giants, um, Tani Evans has been one of our best friends for Pride Round and she's just a huge supporter and ally of our community. I think it's really important that um, the allies of the AFLW world are on show and demonstrate their support as well. Um, Cause I think it's um, awesome that like our community itself is always very supportive and inclusive, but to just have, I guess, allies support us through that process is really good. And I just hope that the Pride Round shows people that it's okay to be who you are and love who you want to love. Um, and that, I guess, the allies are there to support you no matter what. Yeah, I feel like unity and inclusivity doesn't come without allies because otherwise it's just totally separate communities. And I know not everybody identifies with that rainbow community, but to bridge that gap, you want people who support and love you no matter what, no matter who you love, no matter you know what, what gender you identify as. So I think having those people, those allies that can support you and love you no matter what is just so important. Yeah, and I remember Cinder Barclay was a was a very vocal and and very visually present ally. Um, I remember her on on one of the videos one year for the Giants. Um, there were a couple of players, and she was one of them <laughs> standing up and wishing everyone a happy Mardi Gras. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she she was always super super open and out there about like her passion around it. Even though she didn't identify as part of that rainbow community, she supported and loved but not even just the rainbow community, anyone. Like she was the most inclusive person that I have ever met. And today actually um, us Giants girls just went down to Malabar Beach and um, obviously me and Priff, Swans girls now, um, just that group of, of girls went down to Malabar Beach, sat there and watched the sunrise and then went and got coffee together just, I guess, to remember her today. And I think the Giants are doing something special yeah, training we're, tonight. Yeah, we're wearing all bright colours. Um, Paul because she was always such a bright personality. I never got um, the privilege to play with her, but um, yeah, we're super lucky that we still kind of celebrate her and the importance um, that she brought to the footy club. So we're going to wear some fluoro colours at training tonight to honour yeah, her. Yeah, lovely. So so just to kind of spell it out, we didn't actually plan it this way, but today is the anniversary of Cinder's death, two years today. So um, uh, it's a bit of a bit of a hard one for us all. Um, but her memory definitely lives on and she's left it she's left an indelible mark here for us all uh now let's get to the pride jumper uh what is for, for um both teams what's what's the story behind it um and who designed it what tell, tell us about it let's start with you lisa um so i'm gonna get my notes up just so i don't 100 percent stuff this up but i do know <laughs> that it was designed by nike so we're actually wearing the same pride jersey that the men have worn in their pride round so it was um designed by the our sponsors nike which are also really forward thinking and really open and inclusive about um the rainbow community their allies in that as well and really supportive of that so the v is so ours is like colored v's going all down the front of our jersey and the v is to celebrate freedom of freedom of expression and I guess forward thinking for everybody to be accepted um, and that we all stand together and then there's the colours of the rainbow flag which just represents all the different um, I guess areas of the LGBTQIA plus community. Cool and Smitty? Uh, yeah so ours has changed a little bit um, from last year so ours was just kind of the rainbow colours in the G with it striped down um, so obviously representing the inclusive of the rainbow community um, but this year we also have down the back there's the new addition of this um, there's a strip which does the whole entire um, colors of um, 
the rainbow community as well. So it's just a new addition. Um, so we've got like the light, the pale blue, the white, and the and the light pink. And the light pink. pink. Added, yeah. yeah, that's been added down the back. So um, yeah, just making sure that it's fully inclusive um, for the whole entire community. Yeah, great. And um, I think there's, is there a pride warm-up tea as well? Yeah, we do. I have, hope so, but I'm not aware yet. Yeah, we do have a prime warm-up tea, but I think ours is literally just like a white tea that has giants in the Yeah, I know you guys I think have it's, one. I think all clubs are doing something similar. I don't just think that's a, how they were made, to be honest. Yeah, I'm not too sure. I think we'll, um, the Swans will find out a little bit more on Thursday. We're kind of celebrating our round, that, the round on Thursday. We have um, the Swans Rainbow community who... Um, they're called the Rainbow Swans. They're, I, yeah, they support the Swans men's team and they and women's team now, and they have events and things where they um, just promote equality and um, are big advocates for the Rainbow community. So they're coming in to speak to us on Thursday night about what what it means, um, what Pride Round means to them, and then we're going to have a bit of time just to play as where a few girls share some stories and we'll talk through the jersey and get more information on all of that. So. Um, be able to give you more info on that warm-up tea after that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, now, in your own words, and obviously we've, we've spoken a lot about Pride Round already, but in your own words, what does it mean to you? Um, yeah, for me, I think it's just a demonstration of inclusive, inclusivity and unity. And, um, yeah, how I touched on before, I think it's, a really good show like we have an amazing platform um being AFLW players and I guess just AFL players um the AFL in general has an amazing platform to reach all of Australia um Australia's so passionate about sport and um we have an incredible platform to be able to drive some really positive change with that um so I think by us having it around that just shows inclusivity and empowers people to just be who they are um I hope that it just shows anyone in Australia that no matter who they love that they are also loved and that they shouldn't feel um, embarrassed or disappointed or any negative connotations towards that. So I, yeah, to me, it's a demonstration of inclusivity and unity and hopefully empowers other people to, yeah, be themselves and know that, yeah, everyone loves them for who they are. I feel like you've pretty much done this. <laughs> but I think, yeah, for me, I think I got quoted on it um, with the um, unveiling of the Swans Pride Jumper, but to me it's just about inclusivity it's about everybody feeling super comfortable um in who they are in who they want to love in what they want to be um and I think the word pride is like being proud being really proud of who you are not shying away of who you are and feeling like everybody around you accepts you for exactly who you are which I don't think um we're 100% there I don't know if we ever will be 100% there, but I think the AFLW is a really welcoming place where people do feel that way. So I think exactly like Smitty said, um, having that platform is going to be so influential in the movement of us, hopefully in the future, being even more inclusive where people don't need to even identify as anything or have to come out or anything like that. It'll just be, I'm Lisa and it doesn't matter what gender I am. It doesn't matter who I love. So I think it's a stepping stone. Um, but it's really, really important and I'm super passionate about it. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was beautiful. <laughs> oh, 
Um, now, to a few light-hearted questions to finish. Um, <laughs> we were going to ask about your pets, but we already know now, know now that they're Ziggy and Hallie. Yeah. Um, who does most of the dog walking? Uh, probably, yeah, I probably do a bit more, but like, because we are so busy that it's like whoever's up, take them. Um, but, you do the morning walk and yeah. I do the pre-training or afternoon walk usually. But the best is like the one day that we might actually have a morning together where we can take them to the park or take them for a swim. Ziggy loves to swim. We're getting Hallie there, but she's still very <laughs> she's young. The water. <laughs> the water's still for her, but um, yeah, I probably do a little bit more, but yeah, it's definitely awesome. We can go together and take Ask me who does the night shift. <laughs> <laughs> I sleep <like> through. <laughs> and so, um, just... um. Just on that, who does the night shift? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Mitty sleeps through all the crying. I wake her up, I'm like, can you hear that? She's like, no. I'm like, <laughs> Strategic. <laughs> uh, who's the messiest? So, pretty much so, like, And I was never, I was never messy or dirty. I was clean, clean enough. But now since being with Lisa, I'm like, getting a lot better but still like Lisa's very much so it's probably my biggest offset but also my biggest weakness is that I am just a clean freak I can't help it yeah. <laughs> and now I'm getting some of those traits so yes I am the more messy one but I wouldn't say it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> she can still be with me so that's that's I'm getting better <laughs> and so who does the most cooking uh we both actually really like to cook um yeah. and we like to cook together is always good but we actually don't cook that much at the moment because we've been super super lucky where both the clubs are um supplying dinners yeah. so we train pretty much four nights a week yeah but so, I during like when we're not training we always do like love to cook or we do yeah. like a Sunday night roast or like especially with our household so we've got Emily Pease in um, Cambridge in our household but then we've got like so many girls like that we always just kind of probably like once a week have Family dinners. Family dinners. Smitty surprised me with her cooking. I don't know what I thought, but I didn't think she'd be able to cook, but she can. <laughs> uh, Favourite cafe in Sydney? We know the coffee game's a big game. Yeah. Um, yeah, Lisa doesn't actually drink coffee, but um, she used to be a barista, so she makes me a coffee every morning. So that's... Barista Steam. Barista We've got a coffee machine here, but um, so with the Heritage Garden um, is probably our local one. Um, really good coffee there, but there's also... An Asari ball place in Malabar, which is like the best. It's, it's Malachi. Mal Malachi. It's this cute little purple tuck shop kind of vibe, and it has yeah, the best a hole in the wall. That's yeah, <laughs> but it's fantastic. Ball. And Lisa's favorite is a Asari ball. So yeah, <laughs> no, I can relate to not being a coffee person, Lisa. I'm more of a a tea or a a hot chocolate. Hot when I say hot too. chocolate, people ask me how old I am. But you, know, you can't <laughs> go fast. Like an outcast because everyone's like, let's go for coffee. I just say, yeah, and then I order a hot chocolate or <laughs> yeah. a smoothie. Yeah. <laughs> I occasionally order a mocha, you know, to be outlandish. Ooh, <laughs> mixing it up there. Okay, so who has the best dress style? We're very different. Very, very different. Um, I think Lise always dresses amazingly. Um, yeah, always love how she dresses. And yeah, I think it's hard because we've got very, very different fashions. <laughs> like, I guess if you're going to go with traditional terms, I'm probably dressed more femme and chic, dresses a bit more masculine. But yeah. um, I think both of us have really good fashion. Yeah, I feel like we do like, I, I personally like nice things. So yeah. I like to go out to nice dinners and get dressed up for those occasions. So um, yeah, very different. But I'll probably say Lisa is definitely more fashionable one. We have two, um, two we have wardrobes. have two wardrobes, separate wardrobes. So we've got about have enough room. 50 pairs of shoes. So. 
Um, dream date night when you're not busy or walking dogs or hosting teammates. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I, I like, <laughs> everyone assumes that like I'll probably be the camping that kind of stuff, but I'm very much so like let's go glamping or go to a very nice restaurant. Um, so I like nice restaurants and going out to something that like you probably will spend a little bit more money on, but it's probably like a uh, one option. But yeah, just any time with lease at the moment is probably like all I actually just want. Mine would be um, margaritas and a cheese platter on the beach. That's, yeah, easy, yeah. delicious. <laughs> and Lisa does make a really good cheese platter. It always looks really aesthetically pleasing too. <laughs> nice. Uh, let me know when I can uh, drop yeah, down. Yeah, come join. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Well, Catherine Smith and Lisa Steen, thank you so much for your time and for joining us here on the Coat Hanger for Pride Round. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Fiona. Thank you, Loz. <laughs> and I think on that note... We will end. This has been round seven of The Coat Hanger for AFLW Season 7. We'll be coming to you as a podcast this week and next week while 2SER have their radiothon. Then we'll be back on air again every week on 2SER 107.3. Please be sure to catch us on our socials. We are at Coat Hanger Footy on Twitter, Twitter, Insta and Facebook. Special thanks to our guest, Jane Ryan, president of Darabin Falcons Sports Club. And as always, for the best harbour views in women's footy, tune in to The Coat Hanger. Is it Go wrong on. that I thought you said Radio Thong? <laughs> oh, exactly. That's why I had to say it again. <laughs> Far out. What I've got to rewrite that, that outro. I, I stumble over it every, every week. Um, I don't know.